Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set records throughout the podcast world. My name is Jody Jenkins. And I am Tony Clement. Tony, we are so excited for today's episode. We're going to do a deep dive on a lot of business items, and I'm really looking forward to this one, especially given the current climate when it comes to the business world and the yes. economy. So yes. this is very, very timely. I wanted to ask, you recently ordered some coffee from Lord and Lady. Yes, I did. How was, how was that experience? I ordered the Midnight Voyage, which is a Colombian blend, I believe. And I also ordered the One Signature Blend. And I ordered it via your Instagram. So it, it connected me to your site. Oh, really? And, okay. Yeah, I ordered it via Instagram. And um, I, 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 the order processed. I had an immediate email saying that the order was being processed. And it arrived, I don't know, three or four days later. So, so far, I'm a happy non-coffee drinking customer. <laughs> well, you're the you're the best guy. So hopefully you'll be uh, a happy non-drinking coffee repeat customer because that's exactly our, that's our ultimate goal. So again, lordandlady.ca, which is a perfect segue into a quick plug for our major sponsor, yes. John Mutton and the crew at Municipal Solutions. They are the presenting sponsor each and every week of our program. Uh, John, of course, is a world traveler all over the place. He's back now. Uh, you can live vicariously through his life on Instagram if you so please. But uh, the team at Municipal Solutions uh, do some amazing work. And Tony, I know that you're going to highlight some of those. Yes, you can follow John at Muttonator. And uh, he is indeed, I think he's in Hamilton today. He's, he, he travels around like he's a real, you know, Zagreb one week, Hamilton, Ontario the next. But of course, it's all in the service of his clientele at Municipal Solutions. Uh, municipalsolutions.ca. You've got business development that they do there. They do market analysis, energy and infrastructure advancement, strategic planning, stakeholder and government relations, and public policy development. So we want to thank John Mutton and the gang for being the presenting sponsor yet again. Municipalsolutions.ca. Okay. Let's get down to business. I have one question. I, I went into the mailbag. Jody. Oh, okay. Uh, we got so we we get feedback, and uh, one of our listeners, a faithful listener, I'll call him Rod, was wondering, Jody. Yeah. Uh, he he uh, remembered back a few episodes where you, you where you said you placed a lot of bets about <laughs> Donald Trump winning the election in the United States, and he's wondering whether you've paid up yet. Well, of course, that that Rod you're talking about, that's Rod Phillips, who is the finance minister for the <laughs> province of Ontario. Very, very close friend of Tony and myself. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Rod, very, very clever. Um, yes, I did pay all those bets, although I did give the caveat to everybody that, that I bet with that, you know, they may have to pay it back because there's nothing <laughs> nothing certified as, as far as I know yet. And uh, you so you're know, waiting. You're waiting for the College of Electors. <laughs> yes, I'm not ready to. I did pay, but I also okay. put in the note when you do the e transfer. Yeah, I did put. Get ready to pay it back. Okay, so. okay. You're you're. Some people pay it forward. You want to be paid back. Yeah. Well, thanks, Rod. <laughs> I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, well, you know, that means we've got listeners, Jody, who care about our banter. So that's good news. Or or we have listener. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's I, introduce our guest. Yes. We're very pleased to have on and another thing podcast, Mr. Dan Kelly. He is the president and chief executive officer of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. That is the voice of small and medium-sized businesses throughout Canada. There are tens of thousands of members and a very important institution. Let's give it up for Mr. Dan Kelly. All right, Dan. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Oh, it's great. You, you Listen, you've been busy, I tell you, since the economic statement, my... Uh, uh, my my mom watches my other show, Boom and Bust, and she saw your interview uh, that you did with me there. And then she she told me uh, I I saw Dan Kelly on CBC. Like your your name is 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 everywhere now. You know, I think I've done a thousand media interviews since the pandemic began, and uh, and our team has taken seventy thousand calls from business owners over the last uh, nine months. That's how crazy this has become. So tell us about, I mean, tell us what your your members are going through, the, the state of the lockdown, uh, the impact on small business. Let's start there. Well, you know, it's it's so incredibly sad to see what's happening to uh, to small companies. Uh, they were they were really among the bleeding edge when the pandemic started. Of course, you know, COVID began as a healthcare crisis, but almost instantly turned into a giant economic crisis. And, you know, when the March and April lockdowns kicked in, business owners just were hit unbelievably hard. What I reflected on now, uh, now that we're in a second round of lockdown and growing lockdowns and growing restrictions across the country popping up all over the place, is the just how how businesses did respond in those early days. You know, we uh, business business owners were losing their their businesses altogether. They saw that their the trajectory uh, of sales almost coming to a complete stop. Um, but they understood that governments were dealing with something that was brand new. Nobody knew what the heck was going on, uh, and and really their their businesses were suffering unbelievably. But supported by the business owner, they recognized that they needed to do this in order to help protect society from something that really wasn't known. Sure. You, though, has really changed um, over the last number of months. Uh, business owners are, are starting to push back against the new restrictions that are, that are coming in, especially in places like Toronto, Peel, uh, and Manitoba, for that matter, where the restrictions don't seem to fit uh, and make common sense any longer. Uh, we've learned a lot over the last nine months, and, and business owners are rightly asking some questions. Like, for example, when retailers are locked down again, is retail a big is Christmas shopping a big source of COVID infections? And and if it is, why are we letting people in Toronto and Peel still do their Christmas shopping at Costco when they go to pick up their groceries? So you know, a lot has changed over the last little while, but businesses are just hanging on by a thread in so many sectors and so many regions of the country. Well, I wanted to ask you. There's a couple of threads there, um, and I obviously have been following your Twitter feed too, and and understand some of the issues you're bringing to light. But there's really a lot of frustration among small business retailers that the big box stores are still open and still doing business from literally from soup to nuts in that sense that they're there if you want to get your groceries at walmart or wherever you can also do your clothing shopping there this kind of thing is that right you're absolutely right look if it was only soup to nuts i don't think business owners would be unhappy but you know this is turning into anger 
Uh, you in Toronto and Peel right now, we've gone back to the spring rules that we saw in many provinces where you were prohibited from buying a book at an independent bookstore, but it was no problem to go to Costco and buy the book with uh, 200 other people leaning over your shoulder. You can't go into the independent flower shop to buy a bouquet of flowers, but there's no problem going to the Walmart and going to, to their uh, internal flower department and, and buying flowers there. And so people are rightly asking, wait a minute, how is this helping COVID? And in fact, we're now making the case that it's making it worse. Uh, numbers are not going down. Uh, and I can tell you, mo- I went into a, a, small, uh, a small shop to buy a new light fixture for a bedroom in my house that had gone out uh, right before the lockdown happened, right on, on Saturday, right before the, the Monday, the lockdowns were kicking in in, in, the, in the Toronto area. I went in there, talked. Uh, I was the only customer, small small place. There were two staff people. One was the owner, the other was an employee. And I, as I purchased the light fixture, I was talking to the owner about the lo- impending lockdowns, and she said to me, in tears, "How does this make sense? I understand that you know we have to take some action, but we're closing down my my small store where I get like a half dozen customers a day." But on Monday, my customers that need light fixtures can line up at the Home Depot around the corner right. and, and go to town. And, 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 you know, that's what we're objecting to. Not that we're objecting to restrictions. Very few business owners are calling me saying that they want to uh, take on uh, and, and become, you know, and, and operate with civil dis- disobedience. They're, they're, asking that they're asking me how the rules make sense and can we get the message to government that it seems like we're losing, people are losing confidence in the advice that they're being given because it seems counter to all that we've been told about the need for physical distancing. If we really want physical distancing, allow those small retailers to open, serve maybe three customers at a time, and it'll take the pressure off the giant snaky lines at the handful that we're allowing to remain open. Well, that's the other side of it, too, is, you know, I think we're what we're all hearing and what you're hearing, uh, you know, the uh, people just want some evidence based planning, right? Like, uh, you know, the the gym owners want have have been told that less than 3% of infections happen at the at, at, at a gym environment, uh, similarly for small stores and similarly for for small restaurants, you know, that, uh, the, the evidence so far that has come to light is that they're, that those are not big places for transmission. Is this part of the frustration too? Oh, it, it absolutely is. Uh, you know, w- the governments, you know, they've been drilling into us that we have to follow the evidence where, you know, the premier and the mayor have talked about, they have to listen to their public health officers. And we do, on the issues related to health policy, I take—I uh, am not going to challenge the, uh, the the chief medical officers at all. What we know, and what I hope politicians know, is consumer behavior and and business behavior. And if you close one door while leaving the other one open, it seems quite obvious what happens. You close down thousands and thousands of little small stores but allow the Costco and Walmart to remain open to sell TVs and T-shirts, people go there to buy their their goods. And and since it's not supportive, I mean, you know what's been ultimately frustrating, and I just shared this with some politicians yesterday, is that the message seems to be shifting now 
to we know that you're not the cause of COVID. Our research, there's no data to support that uh, that your business activity is a big driver of COVID exposure. But we're closing you down to send a message to the public that they need to stay home. And you know, while I get that on an intellectual level, and I know that governments struggle to find the public policy options to 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 get the to to get the public to comply, if your entire livelihood the future, your future and your house are are locked into your business, which will fail as a result of these policies. You can imagine that that you're feeling pretty unhappy right now that that your entire future is being gambled with in order to send a message to somebody else. And uh, I, you know, I think uh, one of the other things that uh, uh, I guess uh, people are worried about is, you know, how. As you said, how do how do I survive this the second wave and the second lockdown? Uh, we had the economic statement uh, last week. Uh, obviously, that was a, a big uh, news item. How uh, the federal government, with Christian Freeland being the finance minister, wanted to deal with the crisis and also look ahead beyond the crisis to recovery. Uh, what was your take on the economic statement? You know, there was some good stuff in there on the COVID support programs. Unfortunately, there are still loads and loads of gaps, uh, tons of businesses slipping through them and qualifying for none of the programs. Others that were set to run out, the wage subsidy is far less generous than it was in the spring that uh, that has caused pressure. But the government, you know, to, to Freeland's credit, uh, she she put in place, I think, a really decent rent support program with additional money available to those that are shut shut down uh, and in lockdown once again. So that was a positive. Um, They've enhanced the wage subsidy, raised the max up to 75% once again. That is good news. uh, But to get to that 75% level, you really have to be almost entirely shut down. Right. The, um, and then the SIBA loan program is expected to be ex- expanded uh, by an extra 20 grand. That's coming. There's a, there's, there's, there were a few other measures in the, in the throne speech uh, where so there was some more patient lending available at low interest rates to business owners. So, so several good things in it. The things that I'm most worried about, of course, were what wasn't in the in the economic statement, and and the big one was, of course, uh, any change to Canada pension plan premiums. This was something that we, you know, we knew was happening. Government. Yeah. So there's a looming CPP a premium hike. Yeah, yeah. This is a big one. Uh, so everybody is going to get, uh, I think, a 3.8 uh, percent premium increase. So every single Canadian's paycheck will go down on January 1st. Every employer's payroll budget will go down on January 1st, meaning fewer dollars to pay workers. But what worries us even more is that for middle income earners, those earning around 60, 70 grand a year, they're going to see a 9.3% increase in their Canada pension plan premiums because the formula that is used to adjust the maximum is tied to average wages. And we've seen this giant COVID anomaly. Right. The the formula to to adjust the maximum uh, pensionable earnings for CPP is based on the average wages for the year. Average wages for the year, is uh, counterintuitively, have skyrocketed in 2020 because so many low-wage earners lost their jobs altogether. So as a result of that, <clears throat> the 
the the uh, the formula is kicking out this giant increase. Those that are already you know waiting for them to exhaust their CPP premiums, they're going to have to wait a lot longer this year because the maximum is going up double what the chief actuary uh, originally forecast. So we're going to see huge increases in payroll taxes in a year where employers are are really still incredibly constrained and struggling for every nickel to keep their business open. You're uh, talking to two small business owners, myself, and uh, as you heard, uh, uh, Jody Jenkins has uh, just uh, started a new coffee roastery company. Uh, Jody, I'd love to get your point of view and uh, interact with Dan a little bit too, because you're you're a small business owner. You, you did a startup during COVID. Uh, what, what's your take on all this? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people that would say starting up a business during the midst of this pandemic is not the wisest thing to do. Obviously, we had our reasons. We felt that the market could um, support what we were doing. Everybody always needs coffee. And of course, I'm speaking specifically to what we are doing. But Dan, one thing I do, I would want to ask you, just because small business owners, you know, it's... as you know, the lifeblood of communities, being a former city councillor and Tony's political background, we know that small business is the backbone of many, many, if not all, small communities. And they have to make a choice. And I, I don't know if this is a bad example, but obviously it's the easiest one for me right now. But that Adamson barbecue place, yeah. uh, regardless of the backstory on that gentleman, he made a conscious decision to stay open or to protest by by opening in the midst of a lockdown which i don't personally i don't have an issue with because i i i feel it sends a strong message but i'm curious how many from your perspective you know outside of the fact that he was charged and or you know and we don't know what the outcome will be but you know and got locked down and closed and all that how many other businesses do you think are on the verge of wanting to do that or going to try to do that because literally their lives are being destroyed. Like it's, it is the difference between putting food on the table and potentially losing your home or losing your business. So I'm just curious, what are you hearing on that front? Look, it is, uh, it is something that we have to take seriously. Uh, And the point that I've raised is, uh, sir, for starters, I would never ever advise a member of, of CFIB uh, to, to take those kinds of actions, not because I don't understand the motivation and the frustration that leads one there, but because the risks to your future are so significant that your both your business reputation uh, and your even your rights to operate a business in Canada uh, would be at great great risk. We've seen a few businesses do that, and and my main message from that, the message that I think that that sends that the government should be heeding, is that when the rules cease to make sense, when they that when they limit. Uh, one's ability to earn an income and don't give people options because so few, because many, many businesses are slipping through the cracks of the support programs. When the laws cease to make sense, uh, like the ones that we just discussed for retailers, that's when business owners are motivated to take action themselves and flout the law. And we've seen that, of course, on the residential side, where people are starting to just wear thin of all the COVID restrictions and not obey them up to the degree that they did in the spring. That's where we're at right now, and we have to take that super, super seriously. Every action that government takes needs to be a common sense one, fit with the narrative that they've been sharing with us. I think we do need to continue to take COVID seriously, but at the same time, we need to find a pathway, a safe pathway 
for businesses to continue to operate. Otherwise, we're not the the other big thing is we're not going to have an economy to come back to. I, I've been following. Uh, sorry to interrupt, Jody, but I've been following the events in the UK just as a, a counterpoint to what's happening in Canada. Of course, they they and the UK had uh, their outbreak was far worse, but they've had a lockdown. They're now, uh, as of December second, out of the lockdown. Uh, their cases have dropped by thirty percent and by fifty percent in Northern England. Uh, and everybody's just like it, it was like uh, an, when the lockdown was over, everybody flooded onto the streets to consume food, to do their Christmas shopping. It was like a it was like a a, a great release. The interesting thing is the the debate in the UK on because now they have a tiered system for the future uh, so you, you know you're you're in tier one tier two tier three that kind of thing um based on your caseload but their big thing the, the, a lot of the uh, politicians are saying uh, both conservative and labor are saying uh we're we're okay with the tiered system but we want to know what the cost impact and what the human impact is for lockdown as we weigh lockdown with uh not having the lockdown that is to say, what is the impact on small business? What is the impact on human mental health? All of these other things that uh, that are uh, important to life uh, as well. So that's the debate in the in the UK. Interestingly enough, Dan, uh, you know, uh, I, you're you're at the small business level, but you're you're across. You're seeing different responses in different provinces too, because you're a national organization. Uh, is there any is there anyone who's getting it? right better? I mean, we see it from an Ontario perspective, but you've got a more national perspective. Absolutely. Look, there is no other jurisdiction that has as illogical rules as as are being applied in Ontario, in Toronto, and Peel specifically. Uh, If I go across the country, uh, people don't know this, but in British Columbia, NDP government, uh, one of the star standout uh, public health officers uh, that's, you know, written up in the New York Times, they never closed retail, not a single time through the entire pandemic. In the spring, BC retailers were not locked down. They were limited. They had to take some uh, some actions, as all retailers across the country have, but they kept their retail community open through the entire pandemic. Alberta, the the I think uh, Jason Kenney has a, a fairly sensible policy. He has, with rising COVID numbers, uh, put in place a restriction that all businesses have to remain, uh, all, all businesses are limited to serve only 25% of their former capacity. That still allows small firms to continue to operate, uh, which is good news. In fact, Kenny issued an apology uh, to business owners saying that his spring lockdown measures, because they did something similar where they allowed the big boss guys to open in the uh, in the spring and close the small he said that that was a, a, a stupid policy. He used that word and that he apologized to small business owners uh, for trying to make a distinction between essential and not essential retail. Saskatchewan actually has a policy that I quite like. They have allowed small retailers that are def- you know, generally quieter to remain open, at, you know, closer to normal where they put a capacity restriction was on the big guys, like the big box stores had to serve customers at only 50% of their former capacity. And and I guess the message is that, you know, we're not out there saying rip off all the restrictions, you know, let her, let the economy go. What we are saying is find a pathway to, to put in place restrictions. Businesses are on board for that, 
but do so in a way that at least it doesn't um, completely eliminate their ability to earn an income. And if you are going to shut down some businesses, if you're going to limit them in some way, I think it's incumbent upon governments to then open up the checkbook and say, we are going to support you 100% because we are having to take public health measures to shut you down. Uh, you know, Tony, you, you know, we've discussed this before. My organization doesn't support business subsidies. Uh, business subsidies make no sense. Uh, and they, they end up discriminating against small firms almost always. Uh, but in this case, businesses are being subsidized not because they are bad business people, they made stupid decisions, they're in a dying industry. They're being subsidized because governments have had to take a public health measure to shut them down right. uh, and, take, and they've taken away their ability to earn, an, to earn an income. So this is very, very different than anything we've seen before. And I guess the uh, just uh, one more note in parenthesis, but of course, uh, a lot of this would be more bearable if we were getting the vaccine. <laughs> but uh, that that is months away, it looks like. Meanwhile, in the UK, again, I use the example of the UK, they're rolling out their Pfizer vaccine uh, the week of uh, December 7th. So uh, this is, that's the compare and contrast. So they've got, they can hang on because there's some immediate hope uh, coming down, down the line. And yet we're going to have to wait months in Canada. It is, it is really worrisome. I mean, obviously all of us hope that a vaccine is going to help us get, get this behind us and we can get back to something closer to normal, but the economic damage and fallout uh, to the point you were raising earlier is going to be massive. We've estimated 160,000 businesses will permanently close their doors before the pandemic is over. And every single day at CFIB, we are talking to business owners. We've had 70,000 calls. And in those calls, uh, you know, huge numbers are calling us in tears, seeing their life streams being flushed down the toilet. Um, they are, you know, in many cases, losing their homes. When an employee loses their job, it's devastating. It, it really sets the family back. But when somebody, when a business family loses their business, they don't start at zero. They t typically start deeply, deeply in the hole because their whole economic future, the, all the family works in the business, the, home is, the home's mortgage is tied to the business. Uh, it is absolutely devastating. And I'm not trying to equate the value of a human life to the value of a business but for a business family, the loss of your, your economic future feels pretty darn close. Yeah, there's human consequences either way. Well, this is a really uh, uh, <laughs> this is a really positive episode, isn't it, Jody? <laughs> it's very uplifting. I can just feel the joy seeping out of this. Yeah. You know, when when you guys were talking about your coffee blends, I only I only picked up halfway through that it was coffee. I thought you were talking about cannabis, and I was looking to I was looking to figure out where I could get some. So. <laughs> No, he's just well, you can go buy some coffee as well, Dan. We'd appreciate yeah, yeah. that. Well, I wrote it down, lordandlady.ca. Good for you. Correct. Well, thank you, Dan Kelly, for uh, you know a, a sobering insight into where small businesses are. We do appreciate it. We know it's tough times, and uh, we're, we're really hoping for the best, and hopefully 2021 means we, we can get through this and, uh, and people can get on with their lives. So uh, thank you for being part of our program. Anytime. Dan Kelly, once again, our guest, and Tony, as you said, very sobering. Uh, not the most positive message, but one that needs to be heard. And I'm, I've said this before on this program, and I actually say it to quite a few of my friends, that number of 160,000 
potentially closed businesses when this is all said and done, or maybe even more than that. And that to me is just unreal. Well, you walk down a uh, main street of any uh, city or town uh, from Toronto to Belleville to Huntsville, where I'm at there, there are boarded up shops and, uh, that's not just a seasonal thing. They're gone. And uh, that's the sad reality of it. So, look, there's a lot of sad realities uh, related to this uh, this COVID. And uh, there's a huge uh, public health cost and human cost. But uh, we wanted to, you know, express what, what's going on with small businesses. And that's what we did with this program. Yeah, so... Definitely some stuff to think about, and uh, yeah. hopefully, Merry Christmas, oh, yeah. everybody! <laughs> yeah, exactly. We wish you all the best today, and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Yeah. Anyway, we will uh, we'll do this again in seven days, Tony. Yeah. Uh, thanks again for purchasing that coffee, Lord and Lady. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, another shout out to our presenting sponsor, John Mutton, and the team at Municipal Solutions. So, for sure, thanks, John, and thanks to all our sponsors. And uh, we're hoping to get some new sponsors in the new year too. So stay tuned. That's right. Just send us checks, email, <laughs> e-transfer. We'll take it all. So yeah. enjoy the rest of your week. You too.